This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 75 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Back on Track with the generous support of Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. On this week's episode, Leslie Mortles makes a return to the show as guest co-host to share her memories of Kingston, and British rider Thea Maxwell tells her amazing story of courage, determination, and innovation. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Leslie Morris from Hidden Hills, California, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Oh, welcome back to the show, Leslie. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, great to have you back. And we mentioned on the show last week when Debbie was here, Leslie, that you have had a really tough time with the loss of your great stallion, Kingston. Um, I'm sure time helps the healing, but it must be one very empty stable you're looking at now. And I I guess you're coming to terms with it, but a, a huge loss for you. Yes, Kingston was very, very large in my life and my family's life and my friend's life and you know, he's taken us to amazing places in the past 10 years. I just am overwhelmed with how lucky I was to be a part of his life. So I have to say our home, King's Court, is definitely missing him terribly. But I also, it really does help to have a lot of his kids here. Because each one, when I look down the small barn I have and I see their faces... They all have a piece of him, and they remind me of him, his eyes, his ears, his personality, (laughs) so his character. So I have to say, it's really not like we're without him. He's he's here with us everywhere. So... um, what a wonderful, wonderful the- legacy, though, Leslie, to have him. And we want to talk about that, the young horses that you have. And, and also another horse we, we forgot to talk about on last week's show when Debbie was here, and that's Brighton. So you're going to fill us in on all the news of the, the great legacy that Kingston left for you a little bit later on in the show. But um, first of all, we're going to go to a prom- promo for a brand new show that we have here on the Horse Radio Network starting on November 1st. So uh, let's listen to this promotion from uh, our friends Jamie and Glenn the Geek over at Horse Radio Network. This is Glenn the Geek. And I'm Jamie Jennings. Grab a cup of coffee and join us on November 1st for the first ever live morning radio show dedicated to you, the horse addicted. The new show is Horses in the Morning, and it's a light, lively, entertaining daily look at the horse world and the people in it. Horses in the Morning will include entertaining conversation, out-of-the-ordinary guest, contest, giveaways, and so much more. For the first time ever on Horse Radio Network, we'll be able to take your calls and talk about your life with horses. We'll also be giving away some fantastic prizes to you every day. Horses in the Morning will be broadcast live Monday through Friday, 9 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern at HorsesInTheMorning.com or any number of our affiliate websites across the Internet. Plus, you can listen live on your Droid or iPhone with our exclusive phone apps. And, of course, we will have a recorded version available immediately after the show each day that you can listen to anytime. If you would like to carry our new live daily show on your website, we would love to have you. It's free and easy. Just send us an email at morning at horseradionetwork.com. And, Jamie, don't forget that we have some advertising opportunities available now. That's Horses in the Morning starting November 1st, Monday through Friday from 9 to 1030 a.m. Eastern. Well, I'm back with my guest co-host this week, Leslie Morse, who's out in California. Leslie, uh, are you busy showing as well right now? Um, no, I haven't quite started yet. I, I haven't been really in a place to start yet. I'm just still kind of in the getting used to um, life without Kingston. But we are filled up with all his memories, and I am busy with um, actually getting all the young horses that are now uh, six and five and four, really getting them going and concentrating on that. I have a daughter of Kingston that I'm so excited about. Her name is King's Ruby. She's seven years old, and actually she's had two babies. 
I've been out to pasture for three years, and she has come back. I cannot tell you she is her father's daughter. <laughs> that is so much fun. You must be an awfully proud mom. I, you know what? I am, and it fills me up every single day, and um, it gives me great joy. So um, I'm really, really lucky, and I just I am having a great time with Kingston's babies and Tip Tops. And um, really kind of deciding, you know, putting together my next string of horses. And it looks really promising. I'm very excited about it. Well, someone who can really relate to having a top stallion or more than one top stallion in their barn will certainly relate to the story that we, of course, focused on in last week's show. And that was the sale of Totalus to Germany. And that's going to top our news this week, uh, Leslie, because we learned earlier this week that Totalus had actually arrived in Germany. And he uh, is now in the barn of the stables of uh, Paul Schockemöller um, up there in uh, Mühlen in Germany. And I, I did hear from there that earlier this week that um, Paul said for that, uh, and I quote, for the Dutch it was not possible to hold Totalus in their own ranks and it was not possible to put together a syndicate for the dressage, for Dutch dressage sport. And therefore, my passion for the, this great stallion has led me to take the chance to buy him myself. He says, uh, Germany has so far been the country for the export of top horses, and why not import a top horse when a very special one is on the market? Paul continues, I really wanted to secure this horse for German breeding, and this is what I have done. Maybe I can even manage to assure a new partnership for the German sport, because Germany has first-class riders and trainers. But this, that this time, because Totalus has already ch- achieved a lot for his age, so he deserves to take a break now. All that from Paul Schockermuller, the new owner of the uh, world record-breaking, world champion and European champion Totalus. And as I said, Leslie, you know, this is a story that you can really relate to. Having such a good horse, he has incredible potential now, of course, as a stallion. Absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, you know, and, and that gentleman really knows about breeding and he knows about bringing along young horses and he has such an, I mean, the world's largest operation and they are experts at it. And so what a better opportunity for tortoise to go to someone like this actually, you know, who's really going to market him and really, really has a chance of taking his ops, breeding him for really top, top, top quality offspring that could even be better than himself. Yes, it would be very interesting to see. I mean, you know, we, there was a lot of feelings around the world when the, this sale uh, was going through last week. And, and uh, as you may have heard, we dedicated the whole show last week to Totalus and hearing people's opinions. And, yeah. and that, you know, and that, um, that this was very sad for Edward. I mean, a lot of people really felt sorry for Edward losing the ride on him. But um, as you probably know, he already has a half-sister, Sister de Jour, is a half-sister to Totalus, yep. and, and he's proved, Leslie, that he's a great producer of, of good horses, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, I have to say, we nobody can speak for Edward but Edward himself. We don't really know the circumstance, and so I think that it's best to appreciate the fact that what we do know, and what we do know for a fact is the man can train and bring up the next horse just as well as he has this horse and the horses he's done before this horse. So I think that that's not going to be really an issue. And, you know, there's, in, there's just there's so much hearsay and everything. Unless it comes from Edward himself, um, you know, it's hard to say anything. But, the, but without a doubt, he's already in the show ring. You know, he already competed in Denmark this past weekend. Yes. Yep. Yeah, he was very successful so, up there. You know, it's not, it's not as yeah, if he's so short he, of horses. No, it's not. And so it's just a matter of a little bit of time for him to get the next one as fit and as going and as, um, you know, on fast track lane. And, you know, he's, he's becoming quite an expert at that. Well, he certainly is. I mean, it, you know, when you have a unique partnership like that, it's something that people will treasure forever. You know, nobody can take away what he did with this horse. And, and I mean, the same with you and Kingston. I mean, people always remember that partnership. Absolutely. He had an amazing partnership. I had an amazing partnership with Kingston. You know, I own Kingston, so there was a difference. At one point, there was an offer, a very large offer on the table. We turned it down. 
that was our choice. You know what I mean? As an owner. Yes. So when somebody is an owner, you get that choice. When someone's a rider, you, you know, it just depends on where you're at. But he had, no matter what, what he did with that horse for all those years, no one, no one will be able to duplicate that. No. And, and that's would... in everybody's eyes what we will remember is Edward and the big black stallions. Yes. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, what, what he can do in the breeding barn now will itself be the revenge of the big black stallion. I think there's a movie there, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, other news from Europe this week. Leslie Isabel Veth uh, got off to a great start in the World Cup series when she won in Odense in Denmark with Satchmo. She actually um, was just pipped to the post um, in the Grand Prix. Natalie Suzanne Wittgenstein uh, from Denmark, actually, with, with Digby, she, she beat her, uh, won 73.32, um, that uh, Isabel finished up in second place on 73.15 with Satchmo. And then Hans-Peter Minderhund with IPS Tango finished up in third place. That was in the Grand Prix on 71.74. But the tables were reversed in the freestyle, and that put uh, Isabel on top there to take the, f the title uh, for the first World Cup qualifier. She actually um, finished on a score of 81.10, and Natalie with 80.05, and Hans-Peter with 77.20. So that uh, World Cup qualifying series on the Western European League, well underway now. We're going to put you the full ranking of the, there on our website and also... The uh, rest of the schedule, the calendar for the rest of the league here, you know, when it gets underway there in Europe, it really gets underway with a vengeance, doesn't it? It seems like one after the other, they come very quickly, those qualifiers, don't they, Leslie? They do, absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, I love doing the indoor qualifiers. I think that they are just unbelievably fun because there's something about them being indoors. It becomes very electric the audience, and, and it's this great time of year. We go into winter, and then it goes through the holidays, you know, and it's just, it's a really great, great time of year. I Unfortunately, we don't live there. I wish we had anything like that here on the West Coast because yeah. I have to say when it comes to the indoor dressage shows and the leagues getting ready for the World Cup, there is nothing better, and I'm very jealous of those riders <laughs> that live in Europe, in, in Europe at the time. Yeah, they certainly are spoiled for choice. And we should remind everyone uh, that new sponsors, Reem Acra, uh, who's sponsoring the, the World Cup series and the final, um, will be hosting that final there in Leipzig, Germany, from April 27th to May the 1st next year. So that'll come around quickly enough. We have our own qualifiers here. Leslie, will you actually get to any, even if you're not riding? Do you, do you get, will, you be, will you be attending any of the World Cup qualifiers? I don't know. No, probably not. I, if, if I'm not going to be riding, I wouldn't be because I really want to uh, focus on my next courses and getting Ruby right up behind tip-top, you know, and getting um, the six-year-olds really going really well. So I want to spend my time now in the winter um, and next year really, really concentrating on the uh, five and six uh, horses that I have and really creating my next string. But I would, I'll tell you, I would love to get tip-top going um, in some of those, uh, qualifiers for the World Cup. You know, I just don't know if that's feasible because of the travel and the expense. But um, I, I really would love to do that. Well, our last item of news uh, this week, it comes from, from Europe, and we will actually be bringing you a full report on that because it's taking place as we record the show, and that is the Global Dressage Forum uh, being held in the Netherlands, um, the host there, the Bartels family. And they, uh, of course, are discussing a lot of topical issues such as judging and stewarding and so on. And I believe there was a f forum with uh, um, Edward Gall and Nicol, his trainer, Nicole Werner. And so we'll bring you, bring you an update on that uh, next week. Uh, Leslie, that's become a very popular annual event, that forum, isn't it, that Jörp uh, Bartels hosts? Absolutely, and I think that it's really a super um, way to get people together to discuss things and have a designated time to be open-minded and really bring things to the table and really be able to make some changes. And I think that that's where um, they have really become very important. 
Well, it certainly is very, yeah, very valuable to the sport, and uh, you know, you know, we are indebted to the Bartles for for hosting that because I, I'm sure there's an expense involved with that, but it is a very useful forum, and we're going to hear exactly what took place uh, in next week's show. Well, we're going to take a short break here to hear from our friends over at Back on Track, Leslie, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to have uh, our first guest here on this week's Dressage Radio Show. So don't go away; we'll be back in just a second. There's a company that we just love that offers products to improve lifestyle and mobility, and they have been the mainstay in European therapeutic therapies for many years. Plus, they are used and endorsed by many of the top dressage, eventing, and show jumping riders worldwide. We are talking about back on track, of course. If you're looking for a quality holiday gift for any horse lover that will truly benefit their horse, then look no further than any of Back on Track's products, including exercise boots, bell boots, saddle pads, sheets, and so much more. You can find all of their products at BackOnTrackProducts.com. That's BackOnTrackProducts.com. Or give them a call at 888-758-9836. That's 888-758-9836. Well, our first guest on the show, uh, Leslie, is someone I spoke to earlier this week. Thea Maxwell is a British rider, a young rider out of England, uh, based in a beautiful part of England. And she overcome an amazing accident, uh, which uh, she'll tell us about in just a second, where she actually took a terrible fall. She got bucked off a mare at home, a mare that she was uh, rehabbing. And she sustained a fracture of two vertebrae of the neck, in her neck. And she's back in the saddle and making a remarkable recovery. So I thought it would be great to hear from her herself, in her own words, the story of Thea's uh, accident and how she made a re- that recovery to be back in the saddle. So let's catch up with Thea Maxwell. Well, Thea, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Thea, I know you have had a very, very serious injury and what was been a, a remarkable recovery from an injury in a very short space, space of time. And uh, you, you, what, you, what you've done in the past uh, few months is quite remarkable, and we're going to hear about your story. But let's uh, set the context of this, Thea. You're, you're based in a beautiful part of England in Bicester, Oxfordshire. Is that where you've been riding and training most of your life? No, in fact, I've sort of been all over the place, down south and, and, and over in Spain as well. But we've just set up base here about three years ago at home in Oxfordshire. And it's a beautiful part of the country. Well, I believe that's where you were when you had the schooling injury at the end of last year. Yes, it was October last year. It was a morning session. I was just warming up my mare and um, I had an accident in the school. We were just trotting and I... I was bucked off. Just a plain, simple, old-fashioned bucking off, was it? Well, it was. It was quite a, a good bucking off. Um, <laughs> we had we had been uh, rehabilitating her after an arthroscopy in her hock to remove a, a cyst, and it was a couple of months later. And we weren't asking any questions or doing anything, but we think that she felt a little twinge and just sort of reacted to the pain. Ah, now, is this, was this a partnership that you'd had for a while, Thea? Is it a horse you knew well? Yes, fairly well. We'd had her for a year, and she's actually the mother of a foal we bought about five years ago. So later on, when she came up for sale, we, we acquired her. Now, have you been riding in dressage for a, a number of years, Thea? What, what's your horsey background? Um, I come from a sort of non-horsey family, but it's been a passion of ours since we were a child. Um, my sister started with the with the RDA as a therapeutic riding. That's the Riding for the Disabled younger. Association in England. Yep. Yes, it is. Yes, um, in London. And through that, it's a passion that has grown, and we now have horses at home and we breed. But uh, dressage has always been my passion, as I was taught by a dressage rider as a child. Well, let's go back to that fateful day in uh, October of last year and when she bucked you off. Take us from there, Thea, as to exactly how that played out. Um, There was about three bucks, and I came off and landed rather awkwardly on the back of my head and my neck. I was wearing a hat, so that thankfully saved my life. Um, It was quite an awkward fall. I went straight down, and the, the 
blunt, the, the trauma was right at the top of the neck at C2 and C3. And when I, I knew that there was something wrong, when I went to get up, my head stayed on the floor. So I actually had to use the front of the helmet to lift my head up with my hands. And then um, we called the ambulance and I, and I went to hospital. So you were conscious at the time then? I was conscious. I, I did faint, sort of, because I, I got up and walked away as the mare was galloping round, and I know it was a very bad idea, and then I, I fainted sort of a few moments later. Was there, some, from that. was there someone with you at the time, Thea? Yes. Um, my mother was actually watching at the time uh, because we, we were rehabilitating her. We wanted to keep an eye on her soundness, and so Mum saw it all happen, which I think was a bit of a shock for her. Definitely. And so take us from there then. Your mo- presumably your mother called a, a, an ambulance and took you off to hospital? Yes, we called an ambulance and they arrived very quickly and were absolutely brilliant, securing my neck. And uh, we went to the hospital in Oxford and they were absolutely amazing in finding out as quickly as possible the damage that had been done, but making sure that there was no spinal, in- spinal cord injury. Now, at that time, you were fully conscious, were you? Could you feel your hands and your extremities? Yes, yes, I could feel um, my hands and toes. I made sure of that the whole time. It was quite an important part for me was to make sure that I could still feel my hands and my toes. Now, presumably, they, they did all kinds of x-rays and scans and that kind of thing to us to, to uh, come up with a, a prognosis and uh, a diagnosis and prognosis. And while you didn't have any spinal cord injury, as I understand it, you, you, you did have what they call a hangman's fracture. Is that correct? Yes. It's um, breaking the top two and second and third vertebrae, C2 and C3, and that's known as a hangman's fracture, the same sort of injury as, as, what, as what would happen if you were hung so to speak. Right. Well, that, that must in itself have been an incredible emotional trauma as well as the physical uh, injury itself. Uh, how were you coping when you realised the impact of your in- injuries, Fathia? Um, a, a bit of a mixed bag of feelings. I was very emotionally happy that I had sort of survived the accident with, with not so not too many repercussions physically, just the two breaks, and I was very lucky. But mentally, I did find it quite difficult that I wasn't able to get up and about and walk. And I think that that's something that has stayed with me, the, the psychological implications. Now, how did your recovery unfold in those early days? What were your limitations? I wasn't allowed to do anything. It was absolute bed rest for the first couple of weeks. I wasn't allowed to to be on my own, to walk around. Uh, I had to be watched for the first week. And then slowly I started getting up myself and looking after myself. And the whole time I had a big neck brace on, so that was securing my neck and stopping me from moving it at all. And to be honest, it just took a couple of months for me to slowly get back to normal self, um, but obviously without any movement of my head and neck. Now, I'm presuming being a professional rider, you were fairly fit. You're in your, what, mid-20s now? You're 26? Yes, yes. So you're probably at your peak of your fitness then when this happened. I was, and um, so it was quite a bit of a shock, but I think that that, in in fact, helped me because I was looking after myself and eating properly and exercising, but when the accident happened, I I was physically healthy. Now, what did physiotherapy involve in those early weeks when you were just beginning your rehab, Thea? To start with, I think it was about three months after the um, accident, we approached Don, uh, the physio expert, and he he has an absolute groundbreaking form of rehabilitation that uses real data that's taken from my body. So to start with, the first thing we had to do was assess what was going on, and how far into the healing process were we. Once he got the data using his, the technology taken from a Formula One car, which are load cells, to find out what force my body and my muscles could take and for how long, we then could, he created a physiotherapy rehabilitation program for me. And all it involved was um, using his head harness and some free weights, not, not very... Um, weighted, quite light, and just 
three times a week, exercising the neck muscles left and right and taking steps backwards and to the side so that I was exercising my body in the correct position and getting my neck muscles stronger. Well, that, of course, was critical to establishing a foundation for the rehab, I'm sure. And what, at what point, then, um, were they able to tell you that, this, this was, that you were able to make a full recovery and be able to ride again, Thea? When, when I spoke to the doctors about it, I had quite a few meetings and appointments with them. They told me it would take at least a year for me before I could get on a horse. And that was just a rough estimation of how long it would take for the bones to knit back together and for the, for the muscles to, to be okay and strong enough to ride again. With this technology, I was able to actually get back on a horse at seven months after the accident, which was just, for me, really fantastic that I could get back on a horse and, and ride again when I was and physically strong enough, even though I had two broken vertebrae. Well, there's a good point there about being physically strong enough because, as we all know, when we have an accident or injury, it, 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 that there is the mus- muscular atrophy that occurs in, in the wastage, and it's very hard to sort of build up all those core strengths to get back to your regular activity um, as well as re- repairing from an injury. So how were you able to keep you, the rest of your body fit enough to keep up with the recovery in, in repairing your neck so that you were able to get back on a horse after seven months? At first, I wasn't even allowed to run. I was, I was told I couldn't do any impact exercise, so it pretty much limited what I could do. I could walk and, and move about, but that, as we know, is not enough to get back on a horse. So along with the, the neck exercises, I started to run and we then spoke to Don and we created a program using a saddle horse and a dressage saddle and set up at my yard at home so I could sit in the position with my feet in the stirrups and exercise sitting up in the, in the correct position so that before I got on a horse, I was really strong in my neck and my upper body and my core muscles to ensure that everything was safe and uh, what what was the day that like then the, the day that you got back on a horse so w- w- when was that and how did that feel that was back in may and it was the best day i was quite apprehensive and i had to start on on the lead rein at walk but as soon as i'd done one lap and uh, somebody had warmed the horse up or tied the horse up out for me and um, and I even had a little walk and on my own, and it was just so liberating to finally, after all the hard work and the trauma, just to get back on a horse. It was fantastic. And have you been riding regularly ever since then? Yeah, so slowly we introduced the, the trot and then the canter, and as soon as I could uh, trot and canter, I started having lessons again and training, and um, it's just been on a roll since then, and I'm riding now. I have to be careful when I ride younger horses because we know they can be a bit tricky sometimes. So as long as there's somebody always there or my trainer there, um, I'm okay with all the with the older horses. So that's super. Now I know you have ambitions to to be competing in Prix Saint Georges next year. Uh, tell us about the horse that you're going to be riding. Well, I, I competed him at Prix Saint George a few years ago, but in, in actual fact, my passion never never lay with the competing side of dressage my passion always was the training and really trying to get to grand prix and i just love the everyday work that's involved but now i have a real thirst for getting out there and competing and and my old boy he's bless him i've had him since he was six and he's 18 now and we've learned everything and we're hoping to get the piaf and the passage but um yeah he looks after me really well and we're going to go out there and compete at Precinct George. What has this experience done to your confidence level as an established rider having to go through this? And, and you know, the obviously a pretty scary situation, Thea, to have to experience this. And now that you've come out of it, you're back in the saddle, which is absolutely fantastic. But what has it actually done to your confidence level? Are you as confident now, now that you're getting stronger as you were before the accident? As a person, I feel a lot more confident. I feel like I've come through such a, a grueling and trying time that I feel a lot more confident in myself. And I'm very happy just to be out there and 
seeing my friends and seeing my family. So on that level, I'm just a very happy, confident person. With the horses, the psychological implications, I still have that when I get on a horse. But every day it's getting better. And I think my confidence is coming back stronger and stronger. And I'm actually enjoying riding the dressage much more than I was before. Before it was still work. Now it's just... I just am happy to be on a horse and cantering and doing changes and everything. I just love it now. Well, we know that you've made headlines because of your accident and remarkable recovery, and we hope that you'll be making headlines in the competition arena, Theo. We want to wish you the very, very best of luck as you continue your journey back in the saddle, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you very much for having me. Well, Leslie, I mean, that is an amazing story of Thea back in the saddle looking towards uh, pre-Saint-Georges next year. Um, you know, in, within seven months, she was back in, in, in the saddle thanks to some innovative um, physiotherapy, which uh, has made it possible for her to, to be back riding again after that, uh, what they call a hangman's fracture. It, you know, it's devastating oh. when you have a fall like that. You, you, you have to wonder if you'll ever get back in the tack. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, just, uh, yeah, and the fear that goes along with it and, you know, just, yeah, the feeling of, of how could this happen and, and just trying to, oh, it would, it would, I'd speak to us, to be quite honest. Well, of course, we've also Absolutely. watched, you know, Courtney King die. Our friend there had that terrible accident um, at the beginning of the year. And yep. she, too, is making a remarkable recovery. Yes. I mean, the, I mean, Courtney is so strong and so determined, and she has great support staff, and she's had wonderful, wonderful care, and she's just working full-time at it. And it is, it is quite um, remarkable, and, and it really sets a high standard. It certainly does. So I and think that that's just... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So I mean, I mean, she is. It's very admirable. I mean, it just does nothing but you. You just have to admire how much effort she's put into this and how this has changed her life. And she's really looking at it from a really positive place. Yeah, yeah. It it, it just really, you know, you have to admire the people that go through uh, these just terrible, terrible accidents in life. When you know what you've done all your life is suddenly taken away from you and. Uh, our friend, our new young friend there, Thea Maxwell, over in England. We want to uh, wish you the very best of luck, Theo. That is a fantastic story. We're just delighted that you have the the tenacity, the courage, and the dedication to be back in the tack and keep going. And keep going. There you go. You heard it from Leslie. Yeah. Keep going. And um, Leslie, we're going to get her back on the show in the spring when she uh, starts to compete again and hear about that. Uh, you know, maybe we could get you back on the same show and you can uh, you can have that conversation with her. Super. I'd love it. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing her back competing and riding strong again. Absolutely. Well, you know, the other riders that inspired us at the World Equestrian Games, Leslie, apart from all the able-bodied riders, was, of course, the addition of the paradressage riders to the World Equestrian Games. And, and what an inspiration they are. Oh, they absolutely are. They have the best time, and they are so dedicated to their horses, and they are such good riders. And I'm just so glad that, that, that the sport is growing and growing and growing and that it's offered at, 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 at the World Equestrian Games. Yeah, it really was inspirational, and uh, we were delighted. We're going to have some of those riders on the show here in the upcoming week, so stay tuned for more, info, for more news about our para-riders. Well, we're going to take a short break here to uh, catch up with product news from our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products. And when we come back, Leslie's going to tell us a little bit more about these horses that she's got uh, hidden away in Hidden Hills, California. So don't go away. We'll be back. All horses have individual nutritional needs, and we know that meeting them can be challenging. It doesn't matter if you are a professional horseman or a weekend warrior. You want to provide the nutrition necessary for your horse to thrive. The experts at Kentucky Performance Products understand this and have developed supplements that target specific needs. KPP's products are formulated to complement today's feeds and safeguard against over-supplementation. Best of all, their supplements work. To choose the right KPP supplement for your horse, go to 
kppusa.com. Or to learn more about horse nutrition and interact with the experts at KPP, join their Facebook page. Just search for Kentucky Performance Products. Well, Leslie, as I said, you know, it's very appropriate you're in Hidden Hills, California, because you've hidden away some really precious young stock there that are all bear the name of Kingston. (laughs) (laughs) And and you mentioned the mayor, Kings Ruby, the seven-year-old, but the one horse we didn't mention when Debbie was on the show last week was, of course, Brighton. And you have to tell us the story about Brighton. Well, Brighton, I mean, I think his name says enough. Uh, it truly is, uh, his name is, is phenomenal, and I mean, he's a very, very, very lucky fellow. Uh, his father is Kingston, and his mother is Brentina, so he's already a chosen child. Um, and um, he had a very rough go, you know. Um, they had a mare that they used to carry the baby, and... Um, up until birth, everything was great, and then they had the mother lost her life. They basically they had to do a C-section on her to get Brighton out. So he was an orphan, which you know is is not very easy on foals, let alone a foal that was as large as he was. And um, but I have to say, I mean, you know, Brighton is a very very astute learner i mean within a few days he didn't he knew exactly about the bucket for his milk he didn't he he and he had his own audience the hospital at alamo pintada they took amazing amazing care care of him i mean the breeding farm that he had he has really been surrounded by people that just love him and that know brentina so well and know kingston so well and are like part of the family and he really is just blossoming from that and um, I think that that's been a big thing, you know, and, and they were also, uh, Debbie was very lucky that they found a, a second mayor to get him uh, through the few months before he could be weaned. So they had a wonderful, wonderful mayor that adopted him, basically. And so he had a second, third mother, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So he's one lucky boy, you know, and um, he looks be- he looks halfway between Brentina and Kingston. What a better match! Oh, you know, it's, he's he's absolutely stunning. He is bright eyed, bushy tailed. His face is full of excitement and full of wonder, and he is so smart. They at the very beginning they start calling him uh, baby genius, Einstein, <laughs> you know, because he uh, he caught on to everything. You only had to tell him something one time. Now, how old and, is he? You know, that's exactly. Uh, so now he must be uh, maybe six months. Okay. Seven months. Okay. He's very young still. And uh, and, and what color? Young. What color and, is he? He's chestnut. Uh huh. And he has Bertina's ears, and oh. he has Kingston's eye and Kingston's shine. You know, and long legs. Bertina and Kingston long legs. And he just, I mean, he moves amazing. His knees and his hocks, they just, his knees come up to his nose, his hocks come up to his belly, and off he goes. <laughs> it's just, and he, you know, the biggest thing, I, Debbie and I talk all the time about him, and I say, well, you're going to have your hands full because that is one smart boy. You know, they're going to have to keep him entertained and uh, definitely thinking because he, he has a mind that just thinks all the time you can just see the wheels turning he's going to be sensational so uh, who really will get who who owns who owns him and who gets to ride him oh not me unfortunately the thomases uh, river grove uh, farm okay so, he, uh, okay yeah so i presume adrian or whomever maybe debbie i think it might be too big but you know so whomever they decide will be the rider Oh, wonderful. But they really have a wonderful, wonderful fall. And he just has a great story. And um, he just, you know, he's, he's a very, very special soul. Because from the very beginning, you know, it was so devastating that he had to lose his mother. It was heartbreaking. But, you know, when you see him, he just shines. So hence the name, really Brighton. 
perfect name for him. That's exactly right. Terrific. Kingston and Brantina, he's Brighton, and hence the name. Well, wonderful. Well, we'll be following him. Yeah, we'll follow him with interest. Definitely a bright future. Now, tell us about the other horses that you have, because you said you've got a, a stable there full of nice young horses coming along of different ages. Yes, I do. You know, and, and it, I have to say they are a bit hidden because I haven't shown really anybody. I have really kept them uh, here at home and, you know, just just starting now to bring them out and let my friends see them. I have uh, two five-year-olds that are turning six. One is uh, Tip Top, which is uh, Tip Top Sterling, who I'm sure you've heard about. He was approved as a stallion for Sweden. But after that, I collected him, and then I decided to geld him, uh, just because I don't want any more stallions, to be quite honest. And then I have a Kingston. So I have one coming six-year-old tip-top and one Kingston, King's Excalibur. And then I have three four-year-olds that are coming five. I have uh, King's Ransom and King's Quattro. Those two are absolutely phenomenal. I mean phenomenal. And Ransom, we call him Randy. You just look at him, he looks just like Kingston. He moves <laughs> everything, you know. So, and then I have, a, I have Sterling's full brother, Jet, Tip Top's Jet. And then I have two two-year-olds that are, no, no, one, excuse me, one two-year-old that's half Kingston and half Tip Top. Uh, half Kingston she and half Tim Top. Now, now, how does he become half Kingston and half Tim Top? Well, well kind of a half, but uh, Kingston Mare, his daughter, bred to Tip Top. Okay. So actually, Kingston's the grandfather. Okay, that's right. That's, but, that's right. So they have half and half, though. That's Kiki. And then I have uh, two tip, two, uh, two two-year-olds that are coming three. Wonderful. And then I have two folds. Wonderful. So I have enough for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think... And the exciting thing is that, I was thinking that should that now, should take you through to through to retirement, shouldn't it, Leslie? Yes, it will. That's <laughs> the plan. <laughs> and it's now they're at the age where I can start doing really good things. I can start really preparing them for the next journey, you know. And that's kind of what I'm doing. You know, the United States offers some great programs for horses bred in America that could go to Europe and get training and compete, and that's what I'm looking towards to do. You know, because my horses have been bred here, trained here, you know, and I want to create my next international horse. So that's kind of what I've been busy doing. And and we should point out that you are so well-blessed. You, you actually own all these horses, am I correct, that they're all your breeding stock? They are, yes. I own every one of them, and um, I am very, very, very lucky. It's a bit of a hardship right now, and I wouldn't. I would love a business partner, but <laughs> I do own every one of them, and uh, which gives me a lot of security. You know, yes. it's all my. You know, these are mine. I bred them. I mostly I bred their mares. You know, I bred their moms. This is like third generations. You know, so that's even more fun. I bred. You know, everything about it. So when I see them and now I can ride them and I've waited so many years to get to this point, you know, six years and then the mother's caring for a year, that's a lot of long time waiting. Yeah, it, certainly it's a slow process, the breeding, but very rewarding. Yes. It's ex- for me, it's extremely rewarding, and I can't wait till everyone sees them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a short break to hear from our friends over at Equestrian Collections, and then when we come back, Leslie's going to talk a little bit more about what's in store for us and, uh, and uh, update us, really, on uh, how Tip Top is going since uh, he recovered from colic surgery, too. Just a second, we'll be back. We've been speaking a whole lot in recent weeks about looking to Equestrian Collections for all of your fall and winter needs. They have all the top brands in winter wear for you and your horse. Well, in addition to winter, believe it or not, it is now November and time to start thinking about holiday gift giving. There's no better place to find those equestrian gift ideas than at Equestrian Collections. They have thousands of choices for all of your gift-giving needs at some fantastic prices. Whether it is for that guy, girl, or equine in your life, you will find it all at equestriancollections.com. Get that holiday shopping started early at equestriancollections.com. 
Well, Leslie, I'm back with Leslie Morse here, my guest co-host this week, and uh, we just heard about all the wonderful horses that you have to look forward to, um, Leslie. But there was one man in your stable still, um, Tip Top, of course, who we heard from uh, from you earlier in the year when he overcame colic surgery. Um, so bring us up to date. How is he doing now? Tip Top's doing super. Um, he really is. He is doing very, very well. I have been uh, concentrating on getting him uh, really strong and really fit again and actually kind of doing a lot of cross-training, you'll be interested to hear. Um, deciding that, you know, when, when a horse has that kind of colic surgery, you, you have to build up, all rebuild their stomach muscles and everything. And so I decided to, to kind of start all over with him, and, and I'm doing quite a bit of cavaletti work. And I'm taking the time to do the stuff that top Grand Prix dressage horses don't have the time to do. And I think that, that it's going to be a blessing. And I think that it's really going to make his career last so much longer because I, by, by cross training, I'm not reta I'm not continually taxing the muscles and, and, and all the ligaments and everything that Grand Prix horses use all the time by doing things again and again. I'm using and strengthening other muscles and ligaments and stuff by doing, as I say, a lot of Cavaletti work um, on the lunge line, under saddle, uh, hill work. I'm just doing a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, I see a huge difference in his body. I see his back getting stronger. So I'm really looking forward to coming this year and starting to show again. And I'm making a plan. I'd like to go to Europe in the middle of the year. And um, so I, I'm very happy with how everything is going. So he's in regular work now with, the, with all this cross-training. Does that mean that you're doing some cross-training too, Leslie? Are you jumping? Uh, yeah, I'm doing the Cavaletti. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's about it. You know, we, we, we don't want to... Uh, over, be overzealous with jumping. Actually, <laughs> the cavalettis are enough, you know. But but you know we have our little cavaletti book and we're following all the little diagrams and everything, and it's really fun. And I and I think that, you know, for a sixteen and a half year old stallion that goes out every day that's a hundred percent sound and starting to use himself in a different way, it, it, it's only going to benefit us. Sure, absolutely. Well. Long may he continue in the show ring, and at sixteen and a half, uh, you know he he's he's done a, he's done so much in his life, and he's in his. Just remind us, Leslie, how many mares he's covered? How many children does he have out there? Oh well, in Europe he has probably about uh, 350. Wow, kids, and uh, you know, so that means he's had to cover double that, probably. I'm assuming. So yeah, he's he's got a lot. He's got you know, and don't forget he's got Tellwell. That's uh, he's the sire of Tellwell, Laura Beckel, Simon, uh, Steiner, uh, Laura Bechtelsheimer. No, yeah, Laura Bechtelsheimer. Yeah. Yes, her new horse she purchased Tellwell, which is uh, a, a, an offspring of TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and he so he has he has quite a few very very successful successful offspring. He's he's had busy years, and um, but you know I have to say he's very very athletic, and he's a smaller type of horse, and a smaller type of horse has a longer you know they can last, to be quite honest they last longer, yes you know so things are not as hard on him, and um, he's very strong, very fit, and very sound. So we are definitely looking for a bright couple next years. Absolutely. Now Kingston. Um of course, you know, when you had one horse that had colic surgery and you nearly lost tip-top, and then to have another horse uh, that you did lose from colic surgery, you know, that, that is such a devastating time for you, Leslie. But you have got so much promise there in the barn to, to, to look at every day. And as you said, what a wonderful legacy uh, for, for, for you to have of, of Kingston's that uh, you'll ne he'll, you'll, he'll never be forgotten. He may not be there, but he is in other ways. I really hope so because that's, I know I will never forget him. I mean, he is a part of my life every single day. And it, and for the last 10 years, he had been a part of my life every day. And I loved every second of it. 
And, you know, I'm a very hands-on owner and rider, and I believe that it's very important in this partnership to do things yourself, and which brings me closer to my horses. And, and that's kind of why I say this now. It's time with the younger horses. You know, I'm spending time grooming them myself, like Ruby and stuff, to get to know her. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm the one taking care of her because I want her and I to develop that relationship. So I, I really, I, I have to thank Kingston for everything, and it was fun. That's all I have to say is, God, it was amazing fun. Yes, what what a memory you have. No one can take that from you. But tell us when we can expect to nope. see you out uh, with uh, Ruby under saddle. Well, I think uh, by spring. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I good. think that definitely by spring, and um, we'll just see. You know, I don't like to say much. I like to just. All right. Well, we'll be watching. We'll we will be watching, Leslie, and uh, hope you'll come back and get bring us updates here on uh, all of Kingston's family and Tip Tops too. And I want to thank you for for joining us uh, again. I want to remind you all that you can follow us our show notes, of course, on dressageradio dot com and vo- uh, join our fan page on Facebook. As always, we are of course on Twitter at Horse Radio and Chrissy Stafford. And you can always send your comments, questions, suggestions for anything I hear on the Dressage Radio Show. You can email those to me at chris at horseradionetwork.com or if you prefer, leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025. I want to thank all our sponsors that make this show possible and, of course, our backstage crew for getting these shows out every week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows here on the Horse Radio Network. And that that, uh, wraps it up for us this week, Leslie. I want to thank you very much for coming and stepping into the co-host chair. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Absolutely, I would love to. It's always great to be on the show, and um, thank you so much for having me. All right, well, thank you, and uh, I will, of course, be back here same time, same place next week. So until then, don't forget to practice safe riding by always wearing your helmet and fastening your chin strap.